Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Be sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host, as always, Modern Vintage Gamer, who is celebrating the release of Quake HD on Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and PC. It is available now on all those platforms. It's also on Game Pass. It retails for $9.99. And welcome in, MVG. What's going on, Nate? Great to be here. Appreciate the uh, kind words on Quake. Yeah, go uh, check out Quake if you haven't already. It's uh, a pretty good update to the game that you may or may not have played back in 1996. Yes, it has been a long time, but that is a very humble take. The port is fantastic. (laughs) It's smooth. It plays well. It has online cross-platform multiplayer. So if you have a Switch and your friend is on Xbox with the Game Pass version, you you can play together, and that is a highly sought-out feature with modern games. So people should definitely give Quake a look. And if you want a physical copy of Quake on the Nintendo Switch, Limited Run Games will have pre-orders. I believe they opened today. They did. So you can secure a copy right now on Limited Run's website and get yourself a physical release of history. And today's episode is dedicated to the Zelda Sensei. Thank you for your support and generosity. If you'd like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in the description below. You can make a donation of any dollar value, ask a question, we will answer it at the end of the episode, donate $100 or more, we will dedicate the episode to you, and today's episode is once again dedicated to the Zelda Sensei. Thank you again for your support. And we have a big topic to go over today. It's not Gamescom. It is something that may or may not be happening in the near future, and it is in regards to Nintendo's infamous Nintendo Switch Online service. As people know, September is when the service began several years ago, and back in 2019, it is when Nintendo introduced Super NES games to the service, and earlier that year in 2019, data miners found four emulator types in Nintendo Switch Online. Two of them are accounted for. They are the NES games and Super NES games, but there are two that remain unaccounted for, and those are Yoku and Count. And today we are going to talk about what these two emulator types may be used for and whether or not we have something to anticipate in the coming weeks. And we're going to start this off by jumping right into it and saying, MVG, what do you think Yoku and Count may represent in terms of hardware for Nintendo Switch Online? Well, I mean... First of all, let, let's talk about the the two that already exist for the, the people that um, aren't familiar. So there is Canoe, which is the SNES, and this is the same emulator that was used in the SNES Classic. And then there's Kachi Kachi, which is the NES emulator that runs. That was also the same emulator that runs the NES Classic. So Nintendo is reusing the same code porting it over to the Switch and then packaging that up as the uh, NSO service. Now, as far as Hyoku and Count, which are the two unknown uh, emulators for the Switch Online that was discovered by data miners back in 2019, well, I mean, it could be anything. But if we are to speculate, 
I believe that Hyoku would consist of Game Boy and Game Boy Color. I think the next kind of evolution of this, or the next iteration, I should say, of the Nintendo Switch Online would probably be the addition of Game Boy and Game Boy Color games because it is a part of their history and their legacy that I think they want to bring forward and and show the fans. And it's also something that wouldn't take them too much time to get up and running on the service. And I'm not suggesting that the developers at Nintendo um, are lazy or anything like that, but what I'm saying is it's something that is kind of like low-hanging fruit in many ways where it could be added and it would be a nice value add. And I think it would get people excited about the prospects of playing Game Boy and Game Boy Color games. And there is a really good library of games that they could bring to that service. And I think, you know, for newer fans that haven't played the handheld, you know, original Game Boy Mario games like, you know, Mario Land and and, and Six Gold Coins and everything, you're in for a treat because there's some really great stuff there that you may not have ever played before. So I think for me, Game Boy and Game Boy Color would be the next iteration. But where it gets interesting, Nate, is I think that Game Boy and Game Boy Color is is one entity. And I think either Count or Hyoku would, you know, would, would be one of those which means there's still one left, right? And what what could that be? Mm-hmm. And at that point, we're saying, well, is it Nintendo 64? Or is it Game Boy Advance? Or is it GameCube or, or whatever? And the answer, my answer to that is I have no idea. I mean, I think it, it, it probably would be N64, but I also have my own thoughts about N64 running on, on the Switch right now. And a lot of it, I've made a, a video on this, in the past about it's not necessarily about the switch but nintendo's kind of reluctance to it's seemingly reluctance to bring n64 games forward with the you know the n64 classic that that obviously never happened and i believe it's it's not even a thing that exists i think nintendo has moved on from the the mini consoles or the classic consoles and i think there are reasons compelling reasons why they don't want to do that but I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this as well. So, you know, for me, Game Boy and Game Boy Color is a lock, right? I, I'm pretty confident about that. Whatever is the fourth one on this list, I don't know. Um, if if you ask me what do you think, uh, I would probably be leaning towards Game Boy Advance personally. But I also have mm-hmm. some questions around Game Boy Advance that kind of doesn't fit fit right with me as well but i do think game boy and game boy color is definitely a lock for this this service yeah i believe that hioku is very likely referring to game boy and game boy color and as you mentioned i believe the two will be one entity i don't see nintendo splitting them up because even when you look at nintendo's own internal tracking they counted the systems as one of the same yep they didn't treat even though the game boy color in some internal material that you can find online they do call it a successor they do yes but when you look at overall sales for that game boy line they include game boy color they don't count them as individual SKUs. so i feel as though nintendo would likely bring both platforms under a single uniformed app mm-hmm. on nintendo switch online they wouldn't want to separate them and as you mentioned some of the games on the game boy line be it game boy or game boy color 
they are iconic parts of Nintendo's legacy. And one title that you didn't mention, and I'm glad you didn't because I get to mention it, <laughs> is the fantastic Donkey Kong oh. 94. Oh, yeah. It's excellent. Excellent. And when you think of these types of games, as you mentioned, the, the Mario Brothers games, Donkey Kong, Tetris. Yep. These are games that really defined the Game Boy line. Like, yes, there are some other titles, be it Perfect Dark, Metal Gear, mm -hmm. a title not many people remember. And these are games that are very, very unlikely that will come to this type of service. But Nintendo's legacy on the platform is iconic. There are several Zelda games, including Link's Awakening, which was remade for Nintendo Switch. But there's also the Oracle Zelda games. Yep. There's the Pokemon games, which admittedly probably have a very low percent to arrive on the service because they are quite profitable. And it's something that if the Pokemon company opted to do, they could probably just bring them to the Switch eShop and charge $5 a piece and sell a million copies. So it's more profitable for them in the long term to do a move like that than to put it on a Nintendo Switch Online service. But there is a long list of software options that they could put to the service. And based on the demographic of the Switch itself, a lot of the Switch's base has never experienced Game Boy or Game Boy Color games. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a fantastic way for Nintendo to introduce them to this legacy software. And as we've seen from Nintendo's tweets, one of the games that they have highlighted several times now in the market lead up to Metroid Dread is Metroid 2 Return of Samus. Now, I know people will say, well, I can just play the remake on the 3DS. One, nobody played the remake. We can tell by the sales figures. And two, they're actually quite different as far as game design goes. They share a similar title and they share the same narrative structure, but the games do differ in terms of gameplay and even scope and feel. So that's a nice release to bring to the service, especially as a means of Nintendo promoting Dread. Mm -hmm. And as you can tell, the dog in my neighborhood is very <laughs> excited about being able to play Metroid <laughs> 2 on Nintendo Switch Online service. It is it is cheering for it quite loud. It saw the trailer today on, on Nintendo's Twitter account that showed the return of an iconic enemy. And the dog is in cele celebration mode. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick, so I'm I'm looking at the list of um you know best Game Boy and Game Boy Color games. So Pokemon has Pokemon Crystal and and you know there's there's Pokemon Pinball and there's the Wario Land games, which are really really great games. But Ooh, as yes. far as Pokemon goes, do you think that um the Pokemon would tap Nintendo and suggest maybe can we get some of the Pokemon uh, Game Boy Color games on this service? Because I think that as well would be like Red and Blue is another one, obviously, that, that is, uh -huh. is very, very popular. Um, that would also really tie in with what they're doing, you know, over there at the Pokemon company. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomised genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes... 
it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. See, the Pokemon games are kind of just something I see. I view as too valuable mm-hmm. to bring to the service, but maybe the spinoffs, right. maybe the original Pokemon pinball. Yep. Maybe you bring that to the service mm-hmm. and, you know, it just gives something, something to the Pokemon fans because those games really did revolutionize the Game Boy's marketing, especially like in North America. I remember when Pokemon Red and Blue came to the States and it was a phenomenon. And then yeah. when Pokemon Yellow came out and you got to play the anime's story you had you know team rocket and they were actually jesse and james and you had gary oak be your nemesis instead of just blue or red it was like it was that wow moment and you got to see that introduction screen of pikachu surfing and that's something that like my generation when we were kids and growing up that's something that has stuck in our memories for years so if you can give me that type of nostalgic fast factor it's going to be like, yo, I have to check out Pokemon Pinball again. I remember how fun it was when I was 10. Mm-hmm. Now, 20 years later, has it stood <laughs> the test of time? Probably not, but like, I would definitely look to the spinoffs, I think, if I were Nintendo and the Pokemon company. I probably yeah. wouldn't give you those mainline games. Right. But, right. You know, it's definitely something I hope that, you know, prove me wrong on that and bring some of those games over because... Like, yeah, we're going to have two Pokemon games coming out in the span of just a few months. We have the Diamond and Pearl remakes coming out in November, and then we have Arceus coming out in January. So it's also, what, the 25th anniversary of Pokemon this year. Yep. So throw some of those legacy software on Nintendo Switch Online or even just on the eShop and give us that retro and nostalgic glee that those games gave us way back when it was first introduced to these, you know, the Western and Japanese regions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I think it makes sense to me. Um, there's there's just some great games that they could tap into that they mm-hmm. could bring forward to the system. Uh, I'm just looking at at the list, and man, there's some good stuff. I I forgot about Mario Golf, which I think is probably one of the best ones in the yes. series. And yeah, uh, this may absolutely this may upset some people, but I think it's way better than the current iteration that's on the Switch right now. I think Mario Golf on the Game Boy Color is is mm-hmm. fantastic, and you know you've got the Wario Land games as well. Um, man, there's just so much great stuff here. So I think I think it makes sense, you know, for Nintendo to bring us the, this service forward. Um, but I wanted to ask you, what do you think the elusive fourth? emulator is and do you think that it's something that we'll see um imminently or do you think nintendo is kind of holding it back i think if we take into account that we both believe that hiyoku is likely game boy and game boy color as you mentioned you know the natural progression of things would suggest that count would have to be n64 or game boy advance and if we want to do the true natural order of Mm -hmm. platforms Mm -hmm. It would be N64, and I do admit we are bypassing the Virtual Boy here in terms of Nintendo's hardware progression, but Virtual Boy seems as though that would have been something they would have brought to the 3DS, given the 3D nature of that platform, and I don't know if they want to bring that red visual color to a Switch. So 
we're going to skip over that one and go to the systems that succeeded them. And N64, my thoughts mirror your own. Yeah. I think the N64 games still carry value. And the fact that Mario 64 was emulated for the 3D All-Stars collection, and we still have no way to access any of those three games, we cannot buy Mario 64 on the eShop as a standalone release, suggests to me that Nintendo sees value in N64. And as you know, from like night, at your work at Night Dive, mm-hmm. your studio specializes right. in HD remastering N64 era games. You have done Turok 1 and 2. You just did Quake. Mm-hmm. And you sell them for nine or ten dollars, no, ten dollars, maybe yep. fifteen dollars. And there's an audience who are going to buy these games. And if I'm Nintendo, that's where I would look to bring N64 games. I'd bring them directly to Nintendo's eShop and sell them for a low price of ten dollars with you know HD visuals. Maybe you include widescreen support if the title can feasibly support it without ruining the image quality kind of like what you saw with the simpsons right when it went to disney plus they took that four by three image yeah and it removed so many of the jokes because you couldn't see the top of the screen anymore so if you have to preserve four by three you keep that but if you can go widescreen you do so i think if i'm nintendo i go that path for n64 so the next title or platform would then be game boy advance and I don't believe count is Game Boy Advance. And it's, again, for another simple reason. This year alone, we stand to get five of the most iconic Game Boy Advance games. One in the form from our friends at M2 with the trilogy of Castlevania Game Boy Advance games with Circle of Moon, Harmony of Dissonance, and Aria of Sorrow. And we then have Nintendo with the collaborations of Way Forward, mm-hmm. bringing Advance Wars 1 and 2. Now, these yep. were pinnacle games to the Game Boy Advance library. The Castlevanias are highly regarded. The Advance War games are beloved. I don't believe Nintendo and Way Forward would have gone out of their way to remake these games for the Switch. And I don't believe M2 would have gone out of their way to HD these Castlevania games if there were plans to bring Game Boy Advance to Nintendo Switch Online. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I mean, it's 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 hard for me to imagine that Game Boy Advance is the fourth emulator based on what you said. I mean, at the end of the day, there are going to be companies out there that have licenses to these old games that ran on Game Boy Advance that would mm-hmm. rather just do it themselves because they're going to get a better return on investment on on sales of that particular you know collection of games that they decide to bring out. And I think you're right. The Castlevania collection, you know, the GBA stuff, you know, that's that's going to sell quite well because there are a lot of people that that are looking looking for that. And I think, you know, Nintendo's in a bit of a rock and a hard place with GBA because, you know, it's it's one of those things where like if you put your game on their service, it's not going to get anywhere near the impact that it that it may would if there was a curated collection of these games as a physical release or even as a digital release, but has, you know, extras, it has, you know, the, the, um, the artwork, it has the developer notes, just, you know, one of those kind of complete packages of games that, that people really appreciate. And I think a lot of, a lot of publishers 
looking at doing that themselves. I mean, I can tell you, you know, at limited run, that's what we're doing. I mean, we're working on more games that run under the emulation engine that that we've worked on for Shantae. And there are more games coming out, you know, from that service. And there are other companies that are doing exactly the same thing. And I think ultimately, you know, if Nintendo did give us GBA, what would what games would they put on there, right? I mean, obviously there's some low-hanging fruit, but how how long could you sustain that service for, right, Be- mm-hmm. before you need to start tapping your publishers and say, you know, we really want Final Fantasy Advance on there. We, we, or we want, um, you know, we want, uh, I mean, like, yeah, the Castlevania games. I mean, that's that's obviously not going to happen, but we want Metal Slug. <laughs> we want Metal Slug on there or we want, you know, right. like, I feel like they're going to run out of titles really, really fast. And, and I think, you know, they know that because I think a lot of publishers right now are just kind of doing it themselves, you know. And you bring up a good point with the Game Boy Advance software. And like, I love the Game Boy Advance when I was young, but a large factor in that was there were a lot of, for the first time, yep. portable versions of Super NES games. Yeah. The Game Boy Advance allowed us to play Link to the Past portably for that first time, or the Super Mario Brothers games, like the original trilogy, Yeah, Super Mario World even. We had so many Super NES games finally come over to a portable platform that you had that nostalgic factor, but now you don't need to bring over all those Mario games or Link to the Past. They're already on the online service. Right. With their Super NES originals. And as you mentioned, if I'm Square Enix, I can probably HD Final Fantasy Tactics Advance yep. and sell a lot of copies for ten or fifteen dollars if I just HD those visuals a bit. Yeah. Or and even I, even off of the Pixel Remaster route, right? Even though I know that's right. that's got a bit of a you know a bad reputation uh-huh. right now. But I mean that the concept is good that you are just cleaning up the graphics a little bit and putting a nice modern soundtrack behind the game, you know, and selling it. Right. And when you're one of those third-party publishers who did release quality games on the platform, as you mentioned, it's more profitable for them to put in a low investment with a company like, we'll say, Limited Run Games Mm -hmm. or M2 to HD these sprites like you did with Shantae and release them for ten or fifteen dollars on the serve on the eShop, and you know you're going to get that nostalgic base to impulse buy because it's too cheap to pass up. And as mentioned, a lot of Nintendo's first party support on the Game Boy Advance itself were in the form of Super NES ports. Like yes, we have Golden Sun one and two. Yeah, there are some titles that would I would love to see come to the service. F zero. Yeah, the F-Zero game, both of them. Yeah. I actually, were there three? And I think there was one that didn't come over to North America. It stayed in Japan because it was based on the TV show that America simply didn't care about. GP Legends, I think, was the last one to come to North America. But there is a, there's a very small section of software that is realistically yeah. available for this type of service. I know people will you know, ramble off some third parties but as we said, if you're a company like Konami, Sega, Square, who has supported the Game Boy Advance heavily, you're likely looking for alternative solutions or even Capcom yep. with their I, Mega Man games. Absolutely. They like making collections. They're going to make a collection. Of those types. Yeah. This, I mean, right. if Sega ever decides to do a Sonic Advance collection, they're going to do it themselves and they're not going to just, Ooh. they're not going to do it on 
the mm-hmm. Game Boy Advance Nintendo Switch Online service. They're going to want to right. make some money on that, you know. Mm-hmm. And that could really be a a great collection for the fans. Yes. So then yeah. here's, here's another question, though. So uh, should we read anything into Nintendo's recent kind of marketing around Metroid Dread and the <laughs> the references made to fusion and zero mission over the last you know few months do you think there is do you think they are teasing gba um do you think we will see uh dread and fusion Um, on the switch in any official capacity every part of me wants to say yes but the sensible logical aspect of me says no because right now you can play the first metroid game the NES version on Nintendo Switch Online. You cannot play the sequel of The Return of Samus because I was on the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. But if they bring Game Boy, Game Boy Colors to the service, you will get that opportunity. You can then play the third entry of, with Super Metroid. And yeah, Fusion would be the one that is yeah. clearly omitted. But and that was, as mentioned, Game Boy Advance. And that would give us you know, the full saga leading up to Dread. But at the same time, if I'm Nintendo and I'm bringing out Dread, I could give you that introductory five to ten minutes cinematic that tells the story of what happened in Metroid Fusion. And at the same time, if I'm Nintendo and I could HD that just a little bit, wouldn't I make a lot more money selling Fusion as a standalone release than putting it on the service just to have that tie-in to say, hey, now you can get the full experience leading up to Dread. And at the same time, and this is cynical of me to say, we're nearing September when new platforms could feasibly be added to Nintendo Switch Online service. If I wanted to really begin that marketing blitz, it should have started in June. That is true. Here's a left field thing. And I I keep I can't get out of my head, Nate, and tell me, just talk me out of this. What if, <laughs> what if? And I and I want to preface this by saying I have no idea if this is going to happen. I haven't I don't know jack about anything. But what if they add fusion as an unlockable in Dread, or, or uh, uh, they add it as a part of the Dread package? You think that's something they could do? They could do it. I guess the bigger question is, will they do something like that? And man, I would love. If it was just a case of you beat Metroid Dread through, you know, the first time and you unlock Metroid Fusion. I mean, the concept of unlocking games, uh, you know, mini or smaller games in in larger kind of AAA games, that was a Mm -hmm. real big deal in the mid two thousands. I want to say it was happening a lot, like when the during the Xbox three sixty era and the PlayStation and all that. These days, it doesn't happen as often, but it would be kind of cool if they did that. And I, I may be misremembering, but I believe it was Metroid Zero Mission that if you beat it, you unlock the NES original? Yep. So this isn't unfounded territory for Nintendo to do this with a Metroid game. I mean, given that was you know a remake or a remaster of the same game, but I could... I could feasibly see them include a fusion with Dread as an unlockable bonus. If they do go that route in Nintendo of America, if the Treehouse or anyone there is listening, you do not lock it behind an amiibo. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, if you lock don't do it, that. don't do that. If you lock it behind an Emmy, 
Amiibo. Oh my God. We will record an episode <laughs> and it will not be nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think they could do it. Like, and that would kind of, I guess that would, you know, it, it take, would satiate. Yeah. It, it would take care of the, the argument that GBA just doesn't make sense on, on the NSO service, you know? Um, right. I think it's possible that they could potentially add that as an option. Yeah, I could see them, you know, definitely contemplate going that type of route. And, you know, as we've been saying, count right now is a mystery. We, I would say we kind of put the nail in the coffin of N64 for what I would call reasonable reasons. Yeah. And even Game Boy Advance, I think, I think what we're viewing from a business standpoint makes logistical sense. So what is this then? Is it GameCube? I mean, GameCube, I mean, yeah, we know Q, that they have an emulator for GameCube. Correct. I mean, but at the same time, we also know they have the emulator for N64. Right. But. But yeah, again, you're at that point now where it's like, well, why would we, why would we drop a GameCube game on our service or a GameCube system on our service correct. where we could just, you know, HDFI, widescreen, 60 FPSify these games and you know, bring them forward, give them modern controls at gyro, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So and we've it, seen it. We've seen it happen before with um, Aspire has done it with a couple yep. of Star Wars games. Absolutely. So then the question is, are we, are we, do we need to be thinking larger than just Nintendo? Because if we go back to the Virtual Boy, there were other systems from other, yes, other hardware makers that mm-hmm. was on the Virtual Boy, and what well, comes to mind is like you know Neo Geo and and PC Engine, Turbo Graphics, wow. and stuff like that. See, I was thinking still within Nintendo's family. I was thinking maybe Game and Watch. Interesting. It could I mean could be Game and Watch. Nintendo it, it, has it been leaning into Game and Watch. Yep. A little bit the last couple of years for the anniversary of Mario and Zelda, they keep making a Game and Watch version. So could you feasibly bring Game and Watch Nintendo Switch Online just as a legacy moment of here is our original mm-hmm. handheld and here's some of the games like yeah. well I really wasn't that in tune with Game and Watch products. I know there's the one where you catch the balloons. That's about it. Oh yeah, there's like Fire and Donkey Kong and Parachute and Oil Panic. I, I mean, I used to love those <laughs> games, man. I used to have a couple of them. Unfortunately, I don't have any of them. See, it kind of sounds like a platform maybe they could consider. Yep. For Nintendo Switch Online, a lot of just fun. to add a little bit of a little bit of flair to the service. This is our true legacy that we're embracing our roots with the Game and Watch. What Not about- to dismiss the idea that it could be another platform or not from another console maker either. What about Play Choice 10 Arcade? <laughs> All the versus games. I know they've already done a couple of versus games already, <laughs> but you know, versus Donkey Kong, versus versus Castlevania, versus yeah. Excite Bike. Wow. Could happen. But that yeah, could I mean, happen. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think anything beyond kind of N64 is is just doesn't make sense, you know. Um right. like with N- and N64 is tough too because obviously you don't I mean you, you've lost the rare license right automatically so you're not getting any of those games uh-huh. and that's that's kind of the bread and butter I mean you'd get you'd get Mario Kart 1080 and and Wave Race um 
and stuff like that, but you're going to run out of that stuff real fast. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we don't have the rare games at our disposal. So why do we have this service again? Yeah. You know? Ooh. I mean, N64 kind of hits that same impasse. Yeah. Because when you think of like N64, a lot of our fond memories would come from sitting with friends playing GoldenEye, playing Perfect Dark. And if you don't have those types of games on your service, you're not replicating those N64 memories that we really recall. Right. You're giving us a partial one with like Mario Kart 64. Yeah. But, and at the same time, you're also may not even get Mario 64. Right. Because you just had it in the 3D All-Star collection. And there was some talk that, you know, after Mario 60 or Mario 3D All-Stars had left mm-hmm. last in March, um, that maybe it would return as part of the Switch Online service. But I don't think that tracks for me. That doesn't that doesn't sit right with me at all. I mean, I, th- I think... If you still want to play 3D All-Stars, you can, you can today, at least at this point, still get copies of that game, you know. Yeah, Nintendo shipped 10 million copies. You can still find them at most retailers. It appears that they overshipped it by quite a high percentage, which I'd rather see them overship than undership. So I applaud them on mm-hmm. that one. And yeah, I don't believe those games will come to Nintendo Switch Online. And for the same reasons as I had said earlier this year and even last year, once you do an anniversary collection like that, if you set the precedent that you wait six months or a year and we will bring the games to our online store, yeah. you can never do that release again. Right. And people had also made that argument for Fire Emblem. That's a good point. Because it, yeah. it was yeah. on the eShop for, what was it, $5? And people said, oh, just wait a few more months and I'm sure they'll bring it back. No. And it <laughs> has not come back. And that is still an unforgivable move. Right. That was the first official translation of that game made available in the Western markets. And the fact that you cannot buy that game to this day is, is not something that Nintendo should be, you know. Yeah. They should still be held accountable for that. And it's it's terrible that they have deprived individuals of being able to go to the eShop and buy that title now. And I understand people say, well, you had September until March to pick up the Fire Emblem game. What if I if I just bought a Switch now? I'm just out of luck. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's not fair, especially for a game that started that franchise. And maybe you're a new fan to it. You just played Three Houses. You want to see how the series began. Mm-hmm. And it's, sorry, you're six months late. Yeah, I agree. I think another reason that is compelling me with the Hiyoku as Game Boy and Game Boy Color, and this is something that really does track with with this, and that is the Game & Watch Zelda's Link's Awakening. Mm-hmm. So it's obvious that Nintendo has an emulator that they're running on this on this hardware, and we already know that the NES and, and Super NES Classic is running the same emulator on the Nintendo Switch Online service. So I feel like yes. whatever they've done on the Game & Watch for Game Boy Link's Awakening, they're just going to take that over to the Switch. So I think that's that's a lock for me. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's 100% happening. It's just a matter that's, of when. That's a good observation. Yep. That's the first thing that I is- thought about when they, when they announced that Game & Watch. I was like, well... They have the emulator, so when are they going to drop it on the Switch Online service? They must they must do that for us. Now, are they going to give us Link's Awakening on that service? Probably not, at least not initially. Um, hmm. Well, maybe, maybe they know, will. I, I mean, I guess maybe I they would. It, it, the Game & Watch is, is a collectible, 
and mm-hmm. this is this is different. I mean, you still want to get people paying for the NSO subscription to play these games, I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah I, that's a good point. But y- your idea about the game and watch as the fourth option is uh, is a good pick as well. I mean, I feel like they could they could do that, and and it, it does it does kind of track, you know, with with what they're doing on the NSO. Um, I- I hope it's not. <laughs> yeah. I like. mean, I mean, it'd be nice if they gave us N64, but man, I, I just can't see it happening. Honestly, Nate, I mean, I would I mean, I think they would probably give us like turbo graphics before they gave us N64, you know, maybe they're, they've, they've talked Ooh. to Bandai Namco and said, why don't we put um, turbo graphics on, on our service? Because you've got some great games on that service as well. You could bring over um, really great games on that service. Do you think? Yeah, do you think they're kind of going to go outside their wheelhouse a little bit to do that, or I think it would actually add an extra, an extra spice yep. to Nintendo Switch Online if they did go out and get an external console. And if we look back to the Virtual Console on the Wii, we did have Turbo Graphics. We had, you know, Sega. Yeah, we had all these other platforms. So it's not. It's nothing that's unprecedented for this type of service from Nintendo to reach out to other console manufacturers to bring, you know, their hardware to the service. So I would say something like TurboGrafx isn't unfeasible and it does add an extra layer to Nintendo Switch Online overall appeal. Like obviously Nintendo's not going to Sega and getting like the Dreamcast. Right, right. Could you imagine? Oh my God. That would be, that would be something. (laughs) That would be something. Yeah. I mean, and you're also not going to get the Saturn. We know Forever Entertainment is right. actively working on like House of the Dead 1. They mm-hmm. did Panzer Dragoon. They're working on Panzer Dragoon 2. So some of the iconic Sega Saturn yeah. games from Sega in themselves are already being worked on for modern platforms. So that kind of limits the appeal of that system. Plus, emulating the Saturn is complex mm-hmm. as well. Um Mm-hmm. It's not PlayStation three levels of complexity, but it it there would be a lot of money thrown at that. And what would the payoff be? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, I feel like that'd be upside down on on that deal if they went down that road. So I don't, I, I can't see that one happening. As yeah, much as I like it, it's definitely a curious idea to explore the possibility of maybe count as an emulator for external hardware that isn't part of nintendo's legacy line just to see that expansion of the service itself and now necessarily like this doesn't mean that if nintendo switch online does introduce game boy and game boy color to the platform this september around the anniversary of nintendo switch online's launch anniversary it doesn't mean count will be revealed at that same time this Mm -hmm. could be something that comes out next september but the fact right. that it was already in the database for data miners to find two years ago does suggest that, at least in my opinion, that Nintendo may have only forecasted that they want to bring four platforms to the service mm-hmm. and then call it quits. And I believe that kind of reinforces the idea of making Game Boy and Game Boy Color a single one under Hioku yeah. and leaving that fourth final one of count being the last additional piece of hardware, be it Turbo Graphics or maybe Nintendo does consider Game Boy Advance next year, or it's something as we said like Game and Watch. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I mean, 
I I I can't see I can't see N sixty four. I can't see GameCube, and I mm-hmm. can't see GBA. Um, I think honestly, I mean, you're saying it could be the Game and Watch. That's that's a good pick. I feel like they're gonna maybe expand it with maybe Turbo Graphics as the next thing. GBA yeah. is just it just doesn't fit for me. You know, they're gonna run out of mm-hmm. games fast. Um, once they've, right. they've they've tapped their the games that they want to put on that system, but I guess the you know the the counter to that is well, they've done a very similar thing to the Super NES Online, where you know right now it's just kind of shovelware games they're putting on there, which some of them are good, but the problem is a lot of these games you've never heard of um, anyway <laughs> because they've already kind of gone through their list of heavy hitters. So you know maybe they could do the same thing with the GBA, but I feel like the the kind of the amount that they can pick from is a lot smaller than the Super NES or the NES Online at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with Game Boy and Game Boy Color, there's a lot more first-party options. Nintendo was really at their creative peak with a lot of those games, and mm-hmm. you also had major third-party developers who collaborated on a lot of the Game Boy games, like the Oracle games for Zelda. Those were developed by Capcom. Yeah, absolutely. Which a lot of people may forget and you also had games from like square enix who mm-hmm. they have brought some of their game boy and game boy color games into collections like the legend of mana and stuff like that but they could still feasibly put those on nintendo switch online because those collections have been on shelves now for a year or more so right. maybe their value has declined and they want to spark some new interest but you know as you said I don't believe we'll see Game Boy Advance or N64 or GameCube. No. If Nintendo wants to stick just to their legacy, I could see it be, you know, a Game & Watch for for Count and Hioku just be Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Yeah. And maybe you do go that external route, which I would definitely welcome for Nintendo to expand it a bit. Um, but so the final question I have for you, do you think Nintendo announces additional hardware for Nintendo Switch Online this September around the anniversary of Nintendo Switch Online's launch? Ooh, I don't think so. I think really, I don't think they announce additional. You mean like, uh, well, what, what would they announce? I mean, like, you know, do you, you mean some type of um, new controller or something, or just the addition? Just the addition that. Game Boy and Game Boy Color will be added to Nintendo Switch Online. Like some on. new Joy-Cons, some Game Boy Color Joy-Cons um, or something? Ooh. I don't think they... I don't know if they'll go with that type of... Maybe. I'm hmm. not really sure what, what they could give us. I mean, they. I guess they could because, you know, Nintendo always likes to do stuff like this. Um, but I'm not sure what that would entail. I mean, are you, are you talking about like a, a new limited edition Switch model around it? No, I think that's something. No, I could see maybe a Game Boy, maybe Game Boy style Joy Cons, because every other that, piece yeah. of hardware we've had, like the N, we had the NES controllers, right? Then we had the Super NES controller. So maybe Game Boy style, or what if they give you like a Game Boy controller and just yeah, the screen is just you know a static Game Boy that'd screen be, that you can cool. play wirelessly. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, I, I, I I'd probably buy that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they may have something else, um, to show us, you know, when the time comes, 
Yeah, because I mean, I think they want this announcement, you know, if and when this happens, to to be a you know a good one, and I think it will be. But I think they also understand that a lot of their, you know, people that own the Switch weren't around back in those days. So I think they really have to sell a lot of people on 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 you know what the Game Boy is, you know. True. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've seen them do the accessories to try. You know it helps them make more money and make it feel limited and special and try to create that authentic experience of the hardware that you're playing or the software you're playing on your switch hardware. So I expect them to try to do something if, and when they introduce the game boy line to Nintendo switch online. But if they are to do it, I mean, September is right around the corner. Now it has been two years since Nintendo added a new platform to the service. So the time is now for Nintendo to do this. I don't believe they can wait another year to add a add a platform to the service. It doesn't because, feel like they can, right? Especially with the anniversaries I mean, that we're celebrating this year. I feel like right. you know they they really need to kind of strike now with this stuff. Yeah, and if Nintendo does want to use it as a minor marketing tool, September is the good time to introduce a new audience to Metroid: The Return of Samus and get you interested in what Metroid Dread can bring. And at the same time, maybe you do bring some of those Pokemon spinoffs or you bring Donkey Kong 94, the greatest game of all time, to a new generation of gamer Mm -hmm. and let us just wrap ourselves in the majesty of that release. Because that is a game that is underappreciated and not not many people talk about it. And... They should be. It's a great so, game, for sure. And at the same time, I mean, Nintendo does like to use marketing trickery. And Nintendo Switch Online could be another means of marketing trickery. So let's say we have a September Direct where they announce the inclusion of Game Boy and Game Boy Color for Nintendo Switch Online. But you also announce, just as an example, not saying this is happening, you announce a brand new Donkey Kong game for 2022 and then you also say donkey kong 94 is coming to nintendo switch online next week you kind of get like yo a new donkey kong game whoa a donkey kong game is now available on the service i can play yeah because we already have the donkey kong trilogy yep it kind of gets you excited for a prospect that's coming down the line and that's where something like metroid 2 return of samus could be used of i'm really excited for dread oh here comes nintendo with a an old school new metroid game that i have not played and again nobody played it on the 3ds so it's gonna be a new game to a lot of people if they bring it to nintendo switch online yeah agree i mean i think it's really all about how they market this stuff and at the end of the day um you know it will tie in with with what they're planning to release and look i think the metroid tweets around this it's not a coincidence you know that that I, I do feel like we'll see Metroid 2 on that service, you know, mm-hmm. at some point here in the near future. Still not sure about Fusion, but, you know, my pick again is it's going to be a part of the game. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on the former that I think Nintendo's constant tweets about Metroid 2 Return of Samus is kind of a subtle hint that the game will be coming to Nintendo Switch Online in the future. I just don't believe there's any hinting 
as far as the inclusion of Game Boy Advance at this time. Yeah, I'd love for it to be there, but based on everything that we've discussed this episode, Game Boy Advance simply doesn't feel realistic at this point in time for Nintendo Switch Online. We can now pivot into some of the Streamlab questions for the week. And our first question this week comes from Mr. Stud Muffin, who donated $4.20 and writes, Always a treat to get a new episode. Keep up the great work. To MVG, I can see why you talked so highly of Flight Simulator. I just moved out of New York to Philly and was feeling nostalgic for my old home. Flying above the streets of Queens, New York was breathtaking. Flight Simulator is a wonderful experience. I love that game so much. A lot of people don't even consider it a game. I'm not sure what you would call it. I like it. And I agree with you. It offers just this tranquil, peaceful experience where you're flying, you know, 30,000 feet in the air, and it's just amazing. I've actually been doing a lot of the uh, landing challenges right now, and I'm having a lot of fun. It reminds me in so many ways of Pilot Wings, and I know people are going to laugh because Pilot Wings was a cartoony (laughs) game, but a lot of the concepts are very much the same, and that is land Mm -hmm. this plane as best you can and get the best score that you can. So there's there's definitely a game aspect to Flight Sim, but overall, I, I, I love the game. I think it's excellent. Yes, it is a very fun game. I've actually... I've flown to like the Azores. I flew over San Miguel, which is where like my father's from. And I also went to a small village in Italy where my great grandfather was born just so I could kind of see it. Cause I don't know if I'll ever get the opportunity in my lifetime to go to Italy and visit the village that he was born and, you know, raised in. And, you know, I hope to one day make that type of trip of flight simulator gives me kind of that out-of-body experience of being able to go there and just even if i am seeing it from a few hundred feet or a thousand feet above the ground just to be able to say like hey i went i kind of went there and i got to see the layout of the town itself is kind of it's moving to be able to go somewhere that like you know where your family originated and just feel connected even if for just a brief moment in time I then had a follow-up donation from Mr. Stud Muffin of $4.20, and they write, Do you think the 3DS would have sold more if it wasn't called 3DS? Similar to the Wii U with Wii, I remember years ago thinking the 3DS was just a DS revision. Even though it sold great, do you think that name cost them a few million sales? I own two now. Um, I don't know what else they really could have called the 3DS. It is exactly what the hardware was, 3D. And yeah. It was a dual screen system. I think the 3DS branding was on point. Um, maybe Nintendo shouldn't have released like nine versions of the DS. That's what I think. Maybe they <laughs> flooded the market a little bit, you know. Um, but I mean, 76 million is still no joke, you know, for, for just the 3DS, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean, they could have called it something else, but I mean, I think it also was clever marketing in that this is the DS, but it has 3D capabilities as well. So, um, I mean, it's hard to really say, you know, if if it was going to be right. any different. I then had a dollar donation from Jackie G, who writes, in a pre-COVID world, 
When do you believe Breath of the Wild 2 would have been released? Wow. I think it would have come out this year, at the end of this year, for the holiday. And maybe that's a little naive of me to say that, but I think in a pre-COVID world, we got that first look at the game three years ago now at E3. Am I right, Nate, or was it two years ago? Uh, I believe it was two years ago, E3 years 2019. Ago, 2019. I think... I think it would be ready to go for the holiday. Yeah, I think they would have made 2021. I believe their original intent in a pre-COVID world likely would have been 2020, and then it likely would have just faced the inevitable Zelda delay, and it would have fallen into 2021. But, I mean, it's really hard to say, like, in a pre-COVID world because the impacts of COVID on certain projects can range from anywhere from three months, six months. In some cases, games have been impacted upwards of a year or more. And we simply don't know enough about Breath of the Wild 2's status when COVID hit in terms of, you know, voice acting, music, Q&A, how much of it was really stalled and for how long. It's hard to say, but I think in a pre-COVID world, yeah, holiday 2021 probably would have been the time we got the project. And had a dollar donation from Liam Warner, who writes, Do you gentlemen think there will be another new Super Mario Brothers game? And if yes, do you think it will come out on current gen? Every installment, except for the Wii version of you, has sold quite well. And hot take, I think you is one of the best 2D Marios. I agree with that. It's not a hot take at all. I'm I'm down with that. Will there be another Super Mario World game? Oh, I mean, the marketing and the numbers suggest there probably will be, but what that looks like and when that will appear, I have no idea. Yeah, it's been... It's definitely tough to gauge because we do have the new Super Mario U port on the Wii, on the Switch, and it sold incredibly well. You would imagine that they're probably actively working on a new 2D Mario for the Switch line of hardware. I'd say their goal may be to get it out this generation, but it really comes down to how long Nintendo wants to keep this generation going. So if we, let's say we take Nintendo for their word and we get seven years out of the switch which would take us to 2024 then i would say yes we'll see a new 2d mario game on the platform then had a five dollar donation from junk c who writes i asked this on the spawn cast but john misunderstood my question no offense to john i want to know why people think emulation and pirating abandoned where games is evil not if it's legal Never understood the mindset of needing to buy used at high cost only. I'm, okay, I, I'm I totally yeah, I, I'm totally fine with that. Like, if if you have no other option, and the only way to play a game that just doesn't exist anymore is to download a a version or a ROM and play it, then go for it. Like, I, I'm I'm totally fine with that. Like, I, I don't think there's anything. Anything egregious about doing that at all? I think I think you were, you know you are within your rights to do so if that's what you want to do. Yeah, like I do not advocate piracy, but if this is a case like you want to play 
I'm trying to think of like an old game that's just. I'll use Fire Emblem that just came out on the Switch that Nintendo ripped from the digital stores. Mm -hmm. If you want to play that game, the only way for you to play it now would be from an emulator. I would not frown. I wouldn't frown on that. Nintendo stripped your access to that game. So you have to do what you have to do to be able to play it. Now, if it was available on the eShop for $5, then yes, you should buy it. But the fact that you cannot buy this game through any legal means, I would say, yeah, use the emulator in that type of case or any game that is you go to a used retro store and they're asking you know, outrageous sums of money to play a Super NES game. Yeah, I would definitely say you can use an emulator. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's good reasons for it. And, you know, there's there's things like Scum VM, which allows you to play old LucasArts games and, and old Sierra mm-hmm. Online games, you know, games that may be tied to licenses that, that individuals still have ownership of. But at the end of the day, wow. if if you're not, you know, causing someone to lose money or you're not causing a publisher or a software house to lose money on sales, then you're not harming anyone. You know, if you're if you're loading up an old game um, that that hasn't been played for you know ten years or fifteen years, and you, and you just feel like saying, "I want to play Populous," you know, from Electronic Arts that came out in 1995. Electronic Arts won't care that you're playing Populous. They're not. They're not. They're not going to feel like that you've you've caused them to lose money in any capacity. So I say go for it. Yes. We then had a $5 donation from Skittittles. who writes, I keep hearing people say the COVID-19 vaccine is all about control. But what if I'm more of an Alan Wake kind of guy? (laughs) I knew there was an Alan Wake or a, a, um, a, a joke about Remedy in there somewhere. Uh, he should be an indigo prophecy kind of guy. Yeah, and I am a more I'm more of an Alan Wake kind of guy as well as Skittles, but I will say I'm more of a Max Payne guy over an Alan Wake guy. Although I guess yes. technically Remedy doesn't own Alan Wake anymore, uh, Max Payne anymore. It's Rockstar. Take two. Quantum Break is quite good too. Quantum Break is a great game. Great game. Yes. Then had a one hundred dollar donation from the Zelda Sensei, whom this episode is dedicated to. And they write, I've still yet to find a PlayStation 5 on the shelf, but I also am not in the rush to get one. With many of the 2021 first-party games going into next year, should Sony be concerned about 2022 being able to deliver on manufacturing consoles and new game releases? What's curious is that I believe it's Australia just got the new PlayStation 5 model that has some new components. It also has the screw that you can screw into the base using just your fingers, no mm-hmm. need for tools. And some of the components have changed. And that the component change is for Sony to more reliably produce units Interesting. at a quicker pace. So it is possible that moving throughout this fiscal year, we could see an uptick in available hardware. 2022, hopefully... We see a change in availability, but I have heard that suppliers are still running into issues that if you did not put your order already in, certain components are coming in six months late from wow. original promised dates. So unsure how that would 
impacts something like the PlayStation 5 or even the Xbox or the Switch. But this is going to be an ongoing problem for this industry well into 2022. Hopefully, we see some relief, but it remains to be seen. I guess we'll find out when these companies begin to give fiscal year forecast for their upcoming year, you know, come in March of 2022, we'll have some sense of what these companies are seeing from suppliers and overall component. Yeah. And I mean, just on that real quick, you know, I know it's really hard to get a PS5 right now, but, um, you know, maybe stick with your PS4 a little longer as well while you're, while you're trying to get one, because I think Uh Sony's got you covered on the PS4 at least next year. Yeah, you can play Horizon in February. You're going to be able to play God of War. You'll be able to play Gran Turismo 7. So the known Sony properties coming out over the next, we'll say six months, because that's the next time one is dated, you can still play on your current PlayStation 4, PlayStation 4 Pro. So you really don't need to rush for a PlayStation 5 right now while Sony continues to deliver software on the current gen systems. We then had a $1.69 donation from Mr. Studmuffin, who writes, Grew up a PlayStation kid, only got back into gaming thanks to the Switch, and never owned an Xbox. I saw that Forza Horizon 5 gameplay, and dead-ass convinced to finally get one. Loving my Series X alongside my PlayStation 5 and Switch, at least I have a trinity. Good job. Yeah, that Forza yeah. Horizon game looks pretty good oh, for the holiday. I can't wait to check it out. That new footage from Gamescom. Wow. It looks really good. I can't wait to get wow. my hands on that game. Yeah. Wow. We then had a $4.20 donation from Mr. Studmuffin. He writes, how do you guys decide which system, Xbox or PlayStation, to buy the big cross-platform games on? Personally, Sometimes I arbitrarily decide based on which game case the box art looks nicer on, like Balan Wonderworld for the PlayStation 5, of course. <laughs> um, well, Nate, you may have a different take than me, but for, for, me, for me, I'm going to buy physical on PlayStation 5 unless there's a compelling reason to, to do it on Xbox, and that's for a couple of different reasons. The first one is there's obviously a DRM issue on the Xbox that, I don't want to get into in this episode, but just watch my video about DRM on the Xbox. That is something that they need to address. But I think most of all, you know, what I decide is the features that it offers. So, for example, if it's a cross-platform game and the uh, the PlayStation 5 version has haptics and it has gyro controls, then usually I'm going to lean towards that version as long as it's, you know, at we'll say that it's an equal playing field at 4K60, right? Um, I'm going to lean towards the PS5 version. But if the Xbox um, Series X version is superior. Maybe it has 120 frames per second, or maybe it has smoother frame rates, or it just it just looks better and plays better overall. Um, I may jump on the Xbox version. So a great example of, of both sides of that would be on the Xbox Series X. I ended up getting Village for for that console because that was the better version of the game at least when it came out. I'm not sure if it's changed anyway. I don't think it has. But, um, you know, I've also done the same thing on the PlayStation. So, and this is a bad example, but I got Cyberpunk on the PlayStation because I felt like that version would be the better version, even though we ended up getting completely duped on that one. 
and I was very disappointed. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I I decide in a simpler form. <laughs> if it if it's a game with multiplayer, I typically choose the Xbox because a lot of my friends that's where they game on for multiplayer games. So be it something like a Madden or even fighting games, it's typically on the Xbox because Xbox Live is just a more well-rounded online service. As far as single-player games go, it really depends on the franchise. I played Village on the Xbox because I had played 7, Resident Evil 2 Remake, and Resident Evil 3 Remake on the Xbox. So I figured... I may as well just keep it going, get the achievements all on one ecosystem. But it also sometimes this comes down to the controller. Yeah. And like when Shenmue came out, the HD collection, I chose the Xbox because I had played Shenmue 2 on the original Xbox. And I didn't feel as though the DualShock controller was well equipped for a game like Shenmue just because of the analog stick placement. So I kind of weighed those type of decisions of... You know, which which how's the game going to feel and which controller is going to fit best for that experience? So like third person shooters, I think the offset analog sticks work better for me, whereas maybe a first person shooter that is single player oriented, I would consider for the PlayStation 5, especially with haptics now. Yeah. But like any single player game that may be multi-platform, my default is typically PlayStation, unless in a rare case, it's something like Resident Evil, where I have played numerous previous entries. And I just want to keep it on that one platform for really no reason other than peace of mind. I'm not sure why it matters to me, but it does. Then had a $2.38 donation from Matanume, who writes, with regards of Tony Hawk, I went and bought a switch copy it felt a touch underwhelming especially in docked mode however anyone who is remotely a fan of skateboarding must pay the xbox one playstation 4 version that is the game to experience in 60 fps then had a dollar donation from mint sake who writes, hi, Nate and MVG, big fan of the show and wanted to congratulate MVG on Shantae and Quake. Thank you. Who are some industry insiders that you guys respect and trust that should be on our radars? P.S. I look forward to seeing what game MVG is working on next. Um, I mean, I think uh, I like Jeff Grubb. Jeff Grubb is a friend of the show and mm-hmm. someone that usually doesn't miss. So I think you know his his he would I would consider him a good insider. Um, I also think on the kind of more on the Xbox side, um, Jess Gordon does some great stuff. I don't know if he would want to consider himself an insider, but usually he has some pretty good scoops on what's going on over at Microsoft. What comes to mind is you know the Halo release date, even though I think Xbox leaked that themselves. Um, but I think. Jez probably had some some knowledge of that as well. Um, so you know, for me, those two kind of stand out. Um, Nate, Nate, do you have any any others that 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 come to mind? Um, I mean, it's hard, especially with that terminology, industry insiders, right? Because like right. Jeff Grubb, I consider him, you know, like a journalist. Yeah, and he's just doing investigative reporting, and he's coming out with the scoops that just happen to be about announcements or release dates. What is an insider exactly? Like, 
I mean, in truth, yeah, it's a community label that they put on somebody. But, but what what does it mean to you? Does it mean like someone that works at at, at a particular uh, company that's kind of leaking info to journalists? Wouldn't that would wouldn't that be an insider? Technically, yes, because that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't consider like Jason Schreier an industry insider. He's in the industry, right? works in the industry so he's going to make these contacts and that's where i understand like the question isn't supposed to be this deep um (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean there's a lot of people in the industry you can look out to and respect the work they do like mvg has mentioned jez corden jeff grubb mochi at bloomberg jason schreier at bloomberg imran khan of fanbite rebecca valentine at ign Brian Altano at IGN. There's numerous individuals that you can respect the work that they are doing for their respective outlets and the information that they share with the community. I don't know if I would, you know, necessarily brand any one of them as industry insiders. I would just brand them as right shining examples of what this industry should aim for from employees and reporters in this field. Yeah. And had a $6 donation from Kari K who writes, great job guys. Just move to Perth. MVG. Are you in the States or in Australia? I live in the U S but Perth is a beautiful city and uh, I'm sure you will love living over there. Great place. And that was the final Streamlabs question for this week. If you'd like to support the channel, we have the Streamlabs Link in our description below. Make a donation of any dollar amount. Ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. Donate $100 or more, and we will dedicate the episode to you. And once again, today's episode is dedicated to the Zelda Sensei. And once again, thank you all for your generosity and support. We greatly appreciate it. And I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Always a pleasure, Knight. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure having you. And be sure, everyone, check out Quake on PC, Xbox, Switch, and Game Pass, as well as PlayStation. It is $9.99. You can secure a physical copy on limited run games right now. And let us know your thoughts on the future of Nintendo Switch Online and whether or not you think Game Boy Advance could be coming to the service as early as this September if Nintendo decides to update Nintendo Switch Online with new platforms for the anniversary of the launch of Nintendo Switch Online. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.